The St. Charles County-based 23rd Senatorial District has been in Republican hands for many years. But Democrat Richard Orr says he has what it takes to make that district competitive again. The Democrat joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, eight, seven, six, six five, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair As to I say. I say, hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio, our returning co-host. <laughs> yes, Joe Manis, after... Two and a half weeks away. I hope you had a good time in Europe. Yes. Yes, I did. This sounds very avant-garde. But yes, I was on the Mediterranean watching the Olympics from a cruise ship. Well, I'm, I'm not sure our special guest today has had that exciting of a couple of weeks, but he did just win a primary. And as our special guest today is? Richard Orr. He is a Democrat. He is the Democratic nominee in the 23rd Senatorial District, which takes in part of St. Charles. We had the Republican, Bill Eigel, on about a week ago, so we want to make sure we give time for his opponent as well. Thank you very much for, for making your way to St. Louis today. Before we get to the race itself, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in politics, and anything else we need to know about you. Well, that's a tall order, but I've been interested in politics pretty much my entire adult life. I've been working as a volunteer for candidates going back to Jimmy Carter. And uh, I just feel that uh, we need a, a change of direction in St. Charles County, which we certainly will not get under my opponent. But my background is I've been in business as a buyer for a sporting goods chain for the last 35 years and uh, do a lot of outdoor activities, camping, hiking, canoeing. Kayaking. Are you a native of St. Charles? I've been in St. Charles about 15 years. I'm a native of the St. Louis area, born and raised here. Key question, where'd you go to high school? <laughs> uh, I went to Fox in Arnold. Okay. Okay, so you're originally from Jefferson County? Well, I've lived in almost every county in the region at various times. Wow. But uh, during high school, I was in Jefferson County. Mm -hmm. Then I actually moved for a time and finished in uh, Bourbon, Missouri, at Bourbon High School. Where's Which county is that in? Crawford County. Crawford County. We're, I think you might be the first person who's ever lived in Crawford County to be on our show, so congratulations about that. <laughs> uh, a first. A first. So you've never run, have you ever run for political office before? No, this is my first time actually running. I've uh, always helped from the sidelines, been a volunteer to uh, help candidates that were uh, interested in the same uh, issues that I am of uh, the environment and uh, protecting the outdoors, uh, parks, because people need parks to recreate in. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm very much in favor of uh, trade unions and I'm not in favor of right to work and other issues like that. I've always felt that way and uh, I would like to be more involved in Jefferson City. Now, what prompted you to seek this particular office, State Senate? Well, I've, I went for this particular office because um, no one else seemed like they were going to be going for it. Now, and you mean on the Democratic side? On the Democratic side. Um, there was obviously a very heated primary on the Republican side with several of them wanting the position. Uh, but 
I didn't think anybody was going to represent the Democratic side, so I filed and then <clears throat> excuse me, found that uh, I had an opponent, so we just finished the primary, and I won that. And I get to uh, go against some well-funded opposition. Now, as our listeners already know, especially since we've had the Republican on, is that this is the seat that used to be held by, uh, at one point, Senate Leader Tom Dempsey. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was a very pivotal seat. It's Republican-leaning, uh, some say extremely Republican-leaning, but it has some unique characteristics. There's a lot of labor who lives in the 23rd. So, and labor rank and file often tend to vote conservative on some things, but they, as a block, tend generally to be opposed to right to work. So it's kind of an odd type of uh, suburban district. It's sort of similar to the Senate seat in Jefferson County from that standpoint. So um, what do you see as the key issues, and how do you get your, I mean, do you see yourself as being able to advance the Democratic standing in the 23rd? I mean, since it is considered a fairly Republican territory right now. It does seem to have that reputation. I'm not sure that that's entirely deserved. It's okay. a 53% Republican district, which is not overwhelming by any definition that I know of. The Republicans have dominated this particular Senate seat since the year 2000, but uh, they haven't appeared to really want to be a senator from that district since the previous four have all resigned early, including Senator Dempsey, who left nearly a year early to be a lobbyist and left the, the district unrepresented. It almost seemed like they didn't want it, or they only wanted it as a jumping-off point to a better position. Now, if I'm not mistaken, before that, it was Chuck Gross who resigned to take a position within Steve Ellman's administration. And did Steve Ellman get elected to, like, a judgeship and have to resign early or something? Well, well, Ellman actually had held—well, let's put it this way. The seat may have had a different number, Yeah. but, but Ellman was the state senator and actually minority leader in, yeah. in that area in the— in, some time ago. And in the, the last, I did actually check this out. There was a time in the late 80s and early 90s when Jeff Shapercotter held the 23rd district seat, but it did not include any of St. Charles at that point. It included like Franklin County and a bunch of counties around there. Now, and Shapercotter was a Democrat. Democrat. That's a, my point. A, so, but, but even then, like I believe that the second district was most of St. Charles County was still held by a Republican. Right. So, you know, it's interesting Joe brings this up because I remember talking with then State Senator Chuck Graham about 10 years ago. He used to be in charge of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, and he told me the following. This is a quote. There are a lot of union employees that are moving out in St. Charles County, so it's trending that way, that way as in Democratic. It's a little bit like Jefferson County. When I got to the legislature, Republicans had a number of seats in Jefferson County. They had three or four House seats at the time. Now it is rock solid blue down there. St. Charles is trending a a little bit, especially that eastern St. Charles where people are are moving over the bridge and doing a lot of construction out there. And he was talking specifically about the district that you're running in now. That was almost 10 years ago, and that prediction of it becoming more competitive has not manifested itself the last few election cycles. So how do you think you're going to be able to turn that tide and make this district more competitive? Well, for 
a variety of reasons, it has been in Republican hands now through four Republican senators, all of whom left early. Um, but I think you're right. I think it is got a lot of appeal. A, a Democratic uh, candidate will have a lot of appeal for a lot of the citizens, a lot of the residents, uh, for a variety of reasons. My theme of running is restore common sense to Jefferson City because there has not been a lot of that in evidence recently with um, tax cuts that have left the state on a less secure fiscal foundation, uh, tax cuts targeted only to the wealthy and to corporations, uh, the tax cut that's uh, been vetoed by the governor, but then it was uh, up, it was overridden. Overridden, yes. yes. Um, was for 25% tax cut across the board for corporations, one half of 1% for the public, for everyone else, which I don't think is, is a very well-designed tax cut. So because of that, because of a lot of actions that they've been taking in Jefferson City that are not going to really be in favor of the citizens of St. Charles County, I think they will be uh, interested in the messages that I have. Um, so one of the other reasons why I think there's at least a possibility that you may gain some appeal of not only voters but interest groups is that your opponent, Bill Eigel, is a supporter of Right to Work, which is shorthand for the policy that would bar a unionized entity from making an employee pay dues if that entity has voted to organize. He was, when he was on our show, we, we talked a little bit about that. We talked about what the impact on his race was. This is what he had to say. I think that that issue got a lot of the spotlight. You know, I'm certainly I'm a favor, favor in favor of labor reform. I'm in favor of right to work. And that was a clear contrast, uh, I think, with both of my opponents, actually. And yes, yeah, so there were outside groups supporting this race on both sides that were trying to have this discussion. And really, you know, th that was a, an important discussion, I think, for St. Charles County to have. So before this show... Uh, started recording, I looked at how much money that you've raised. And so far, it's not, it's in the few thousand range. But I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that some of the unions that supported Anzare and may not want Bill Eigel to be in office may be interested in your campaign now because of that reality. So two-part question, how do you think you'll differ from Mr. Eigel on this issue? And do you think that labor unions that were active in the Republican primary may be interested in supporting your campaign with organizational and financial support. Okay, let's do the second part first. Yes, uh, yes they, they are going to be taking a serious look at my candidacy now that Anzir has lost because they were supporting her because she was uh, anti-right to work and uh, fairly pro-union for a Republican, and uh, they did support her. I've been endorsed now by the Greater St. Louis Labor Council of the AFL-CIO, and I think more endorsements are coming because stopping right to work is a very important issue for me because it's not in the best interest of the workers of St. Charles County and for the rest of Missouri. Right to work states, which uh, there are forces trying to uh, make Missouri one of them, have lower wages. <clears throat> they don't have greater employment rates. The unemployment rates are roughly the same. Wages are less, at least 3 to 5% less in most cases. So there's no 
<clears throat> plus side for the worker for right to work. So that's something I'm going to totally oppose. Now, um, as you <clears throat> have you already reached out to labor? I have. Okay, and what sort of response you've been getting? I've been getting a very positive response. Uh, they were holding back uh, a bit because I was in a primary, and they didn't want to uh, endorse one over the other because it wasn't clear who would win. And uh, they were solidly behind Anzir because uh, she had been an opponent and helped to ensure that uh, right to work didn't pass in the last session. Now, um, so have you been talking to the St. Charles County uh, Democratic Central Committee? I mean, sort of how how involved are you in trying to get an organized uh, Democratic presence either to help you um, in the general election? The, the committee has been uh, helping me all along since I first filed. <clears throat> they actually... Someone in the committee made the suggestion that I file so that there would be a viable candidate on the Democratic side, and they've been completely supportive the entire way, and they've helped with uh, training and advice and funding and networking, and they've been great. So one of the interesting things that I noticed from that GOP primary was there was this third-party group that was supported by labor unions. I think it was called, like, Protect Middle Class Mo that ran ads on behalf of Anzair. And as a way to have Republicans vote against Bill Eigel, they often touted Zare's record, I think, on economic development and the fact that he, she was anti-abortion. She didn't, they didn't mention once that she was pro-labor, which I found to be kind of curious, to be honest. And it kind of sent a mixed message yes. to many Democrats who are in support of abortion rights that they're willing to basically ignore the reason that they're supporting them in the first place as a way to win. Did you notice that as well? And do you think that it may not have been the best strategy for labor to do in that particular contest? Well, that, that particular group, uh, I agree, that message could have been expressed better and probably didn't help. Yeah. So is it kind of a message maybe that labor, I know what they were trying to do because there are some situations that labor has to get behind Republicans because they want, in, in a certain situation, if, if, if it's a situation where a district where a Republican may have a better chance of winning, they want the best Republican possible. But it just didn't seem like in that particular race they were emphasizing the reason they were supporting them in the first place. Do you, if, if labor came out and did a similar thing for you, would, they, would you want them to focus on your values and in your pro-labor stance as opposed to what they did with Anzair. Oh, clearly, yes. Yeah. Um, because that would be just tremendously important to me and to them, so I would certainly think so. So moving on to some other issues, we, what would be kind of your mindset toward taxation? Because you mentioned the fact that you weren't a fan of the, the tax cut that passed, and it hasn't really gone into effect. Well, it starts going to affect this this year. I mean, Technically, next January. Yeah. It depends on the amount of general revenue that's yeah, going to be because there. it's been delayed somewhat because the state did not hit the economic targets that were needed to put it into effect. What would be kind of your mindset toward taxation in Missouri? And if, if you don't like the tax cut that's going into effect, what would you want to see instead? Well, I'm really interested in fiscal responsibility uh, maintaining our state's AAA credit rating, which uh, I don't know if uh, 
your listeners have paid a lot of attention to what's happening in Kansas, but uh, fiscally, they're going down the, the two very rapidly. Their credit rating keeps being downgraded, and uh, their borrowing costs have accelerated. They're over $900 million short in their, in their budget. They're having to borrow. And I just want to make sure Mer- uh, Missouri doesn't go down that same direction. Uh, tax cuts can be uh, a very good thing if they're targeted for uh, certainly for larger cuts for the middle class than what we saw out of the legislature in the last session, and uh, tax cuts for business and corporation, <clears throat> if they're targeted to where they'll go to companies that have pledged to hire more employees. That'd be something you'd be in favor of. Now, now what, what issues are you emphasizing? I mean, is right to work the main <clears throat> one, or are there other things that you're emphasizing or planning to emphasize as you campaign over the next... Uh, two and a half months. Yeah, many, <clears throat> many, many other things uh, ranging from accepting the federal Medicaid expansion money. That's a, a biggie. Uh, it, it was fiscally irresponsible and, and criminal, in my mind, to have the legislature refuse the money that would have paid for medical care for thousands of Missourians that needed it. And conversely, it would have created thousands of new jobs in the healthcare and other ancillary industries. And uh, it was completely paid by the federal government for the first five years, I believe. And there was three. Three. Okay. Thank you. Um, but it was basically money that would have helped needy Missourians. And so uh, pushing for the acceptance of that is going to be something that I'm very much in favor of. In, in, uh, we've talked to several Democrats who won primaries where the, the primary is tantamount to election. They also said that that was a big priority for them. Is it going to basically take the numbers to be closer for that to even be a possibility? And that might be one of the rationales that you're trying to flip this seat, essentially. That would certainly help, yes, if we can increase the numbers and if we can get people in there that are looking at the needs of the citizens versus their own needs of their party or themselves personally. As I say, the four predecessors to this seat that I'm going for that were Republicans have all quit to take lobbyist jobs. I have no plans to do that. I have no plans. I would not accept lobbyist gifts. I think campaign finance reform in Missouri is another key platform issue of mine. Yeah, that's actually going to that may or may not be on the ballot depending on what the courts decide. Have you taken a look at that particular initiative yet? Just uh, glanced at it. Yeah, it would basically institute a twenty six hundred dollar cap for statewide and state legislative races, not municipal or county races. Um, there is some. I mean, it's going to be played out in the courts of whether that actually gets voted on. It may get voted on and then tossed out because of some drafting errors. But, you know, we just had Attorney General Coster, who was an opponent of contribution limits, come out in favor of contribution limits. We have even had some Republicans like Scott Roop, who was in the second district, basically say it was a mistake. Do you sense that, let's say the ballot initiative doesn't make the ballot, do you sense that maybe there's enough Republican allies on that issue that maybe there can be a little bit momentum in the legislature? Well, I certainly hope so, because I would... Uh, work on that kind of legislation, how to work to advance that kind of legislation and propose it. Now, um, as you, 
Do you see yourself as someone who can work with Republicans? Are there Republicans who you know, who you've been dealing with, even though you're not in office? Just um, or I mean, how do you how do you, how do you see this right now? Like, how do you reach across the aisle? Right. Because I think even if there the numbers are slimmer. As far as the the majority between Republicans and Democrats, Republicans are still going to be in the majority. So what what, what do you think is going to be your mindset going into that? Well, definitely I'll try my best to work across the aisle. And uh, I don't think I'll have uh, very much difficulty in that respect. Um, If if I when I look at my the cross section of my Facebook friends, I have everybody from hard right. Tea Party, Donald Trump supporters to Bernie Sanders supporters, and we all get along. Not always on all issues, but uh, I have friends completely across the spectrum. Now, do you expect any sort of trickle-down from either the presidential or the gubernatorial or Senate contests, where, which are competitive in the state, at least right now? Do you think any of that's going to help you, or do you—well, just how do you see that? Well, I, I see that in that uh, all conventional bets are off this year. Um, there could certainly be a Donald Trump effect. There could be a Hillary effect. There could be any number of effects on the down-ballot races from what's happening at the national level. Um, with Missouri, it's it's hard to tell who's mm-hmm. going to win uh, nationally. And, uh, you know, if it's Hillary, it could help. If it's Trump, they might not, so it remains to be seen, but it's definitely going to be a different year, and I think it's uh, a year that a candidate like myself would have uh, more possibilities than I might otherwise. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it, if Missouri should go overwhelmingly Democratic, mm-hmm. then there would help. Yeah. I okay. mean, do you think that's a possibility? Well, I suppose it really just depends on... Uh, how many gaffes Donald Trump makes between now and Election Day? Well, it's interesting you mention that because I think just like there are parts of the country that Donald Trump is going to be less popular than he is elsewhere, there are going to be parts of Missouri where he's going to be more popular than elsewhere. I know. I think he won St. Charles County by a pretty decent margin. Bernie Sanders also won St. Charles County as well. So it's it, it's... It's still August. A lot can change between now and then. I'm not going to say what's ha- the environment now is going to be the environment in November. But it's not out of the question that Donald Trump may actually be pretty popular in St. Charles County, and that may not actually help a candidate like you. Is I'm sure that's popped into your mind, just, just as the conversely, as you just mentioned. That's one of the scenarios. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, of course, you know, one of the, there's been the latest polls that I've seen shown it fairly close between Trump and Clinton statewide, but again, which but since neither of them are running ads in the state, and that's probably and they are probably unlikely to run ads at least at this point, uh, because the Republicans are assuming they're going to carry Missouri and the Democrats don't need Missouri, so to win the White House. So as you're like uh, traveling the district, have you been going door to door? What sort of issues have been on the people's minds that uh, you've been talking to? Do you think Sanders' message? Uh, is res- still resonates, or just so, sort of how do you see things? Well, Sanders' messages still resonate with uh, the working class, the middle class, and uh, a lot of the residents in St. Charles County, even if they weren't 
Bernie supporters, Bernie's the issues of income disparity and um, uh, the fact that so much wealth is is being concentrated at the top levels of our society. Those those messages are still very much um, being thought about by by the voters in St. Charles County that, that I talked to. And that's one reason Trump is popular, because he has, in his own way, uh, picked up on some of those same messages and made them his own, even though, uh, as a friend of mine put it, I thought very effectively, uh, Trump is the wrong answer to the right question. So in other words, uh, you know, he, he's talks like a populist, but I don't think there's any way in the world he would actually govern govern like a populist. Now, um, how are you going to try to get your message out? Have you put together any sort of campaign apparatus? Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, because I think that's a good question, because the last two Democrats in the St. Louis area who flipped Republican seats, Jill Shoup and Scott Sifton, first of all, they were running in seats that were more Democratic than the one you're running in. Second of all, they raised, I think, each well over a million dollars, and they also ran TV and radio ads. So that seems to be the blueprint for success. Are you planning on taking a similar route? Well, I don't have the resources to go that same route yet. I would like to go more in that direction as uh, funding comes in, which I expect. But I don't think there's any... um, Anything better than going door to door and talking to the voters, which is what I've been doing. And uh, there's a lot of them in the 23rd district, so it's going to take a while to get to see all of them. But Mm -hmm. uh, I've got some people helping, and uh, I expect the organization to to grow. Um, I've had some tremendous assistance with my campaign so far. Uh, Up through the primary, I do have to find somebody to carry me the rest of the way as a campaign manager. Mm But, have, you, have you heard from Anzair yet at all? You know, uh, only secondhand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do plan to uh, try to meet with her and discuss I, how her situation yeah. and how she thinks uh, I should go at this point. I, I hate to in, engage in hearsay because, you know, we you just mentioned you haven't talked to her. But I, I saw a tweet saying that she was at a Coster event, a Chris Coster event, which makes me think that or not endorsing Eigel is not out of the realm of possibility. We'll have to see, but, right. I mean, that's just what I saw. Now, when you go door, when you've been talking to residents, what are they telling you? Well, they're, they're telling me they're concerned about jobs, the economy, uh, safety. They want to be sure that um, the country is uh, defended and that we're not uh, going to uh, let ISIS make any greater inroads than they have. So, I mean, even though that's not a local concern I was necessarily. Gonna say, I was going to say, is, what, what can know, the General it, Assembly do about that? No, you, you, know, you never know. Yeah. But uh, that's, just, that's one of the things I hear. But locally, um, you know, they're, they're concerned about uh, the schools and they're concerned about uh, uh, the, the fact that uh, their property taxes might be increased or have been increased because uh, to – Make up the um, shortfall in uh, public spending, 
for schools by the legislature, mm-hmm. uh, all of the school districts are having to come in and ask for more money. Yeah. And uh, they're having to make that up locally, and people are concerned about that. Well, this is the this is probably something that just popped in mind before we sign off. We asked Eigel a lot about the transfer law and about vouchers. School, yes, yeah, school school transfer. And that's a big issue in St. Charles County because um, Francis Hall was the place where I believe Normandy designated as their their place where they provide transportation to, and there was attempts to change the law that were unsuccessful. And one of the hangups was that the 2000, I believe it was 2014 law, allowed uh, children in unaccredited school districts to transfer to non-sectarian private schools, which which got an automatic veto from Well, Jay it Nixon. wasn't a law. It was a bill. It was a bill. Yeah. So what's kind of your mindset toward that? Because there's some feeling that when Nixon leaves office, that issue could become ripe again for the legislature to act. Would you want to see that law changed? Would you be opposed to using any sort of voucher-like aspect in in changing the transfer law? What's kind of your take on that? Well, I've never been a, a big fan of the transfer law in the first place because I'd like to see the resources go to improve the school systems that are already in trouble and uh, make sure they get the resources that we don't have to start shipping students off to other districts because it's an underperforming district. I mean, we should look at why it's underperforming and what we can do to, to help it and enhance the local control of education that I think most, most people want. Uh, I would be utterly against any ex- extension of vouchers or expansion of vouchers. Um, they shouldn't be going to private or religious schools at all. Uh, the money should go to public schools and um, if we continue with the, the transfer system as it now exists, that's fine. But I would not be in favor of allowing it to go to private or religious schools. Well, we appreciate you coming in today. If you end up winning, just as if your opponent ends up winning, we'll, we'll certainly invite you back because we'll be talking about legislating as opposed to just goals. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And what's the best way for people to connect with your campaign online? They can go to my Facebook page, Richard Orr, Democratic uh, uh, candidate for the 23rd Senate District of Missouri, or my website, www.richardorr.org. Very good. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. I know how it feels, son.